folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again. And this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's in Australia. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan. And in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G double E S Emil dot Gorgis at Tokyo Realty dot JP. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right. So for today's episode, we're with the Japan Real Estate Experts panel again. And this time we're digging deeper into the Akia rabbit hole and with a special guest, Anton Warman, a Swedish model and now a Japanese Akia owner and renovator. He has a successful YouTube channel, 100% in Japanese, which is impressive in and of itself, but even more so as he takes his viewers along with him on his journey to purchase, renovate and profit from older um, dilapidated homes in and around Tokyo. We talk about his journey as a YouTuber, what it takes to succeed on the platform, the cost of purchasing, DIY renovating and making an Akia livable where and how to source cheap building materials by building a nourishing local relationship with neighbors and local businesses and creating and nourishing a deals pipeline for would-be DIYers like himself. And then we segue into the possibility of renting out rooms or entire homes via Airbnb and other short-term stay platforms. We talk about other Akia-related investment and business ideas and the skills that one actually needs to successfully renovate their own home in Japan. Really good conversation with a very creative and innovative young man. Hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you again on the other side. It's, yeah, I won't say that. As I'm... No, no, say it, Matt. Say it. Japan well, now, now, we're, now we're recording. Back in session. Yes, so can, say it, Matt. So <laughs> I can't say it. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, so we are back in that session with a I special meant. guest. Uh, we'll do a quick round of intro. I'll, I'll introduce the two of you this time so we can get straight on to Anton. So uh, Tracy Northcott um, in Japan um, for a long while and uh, handling short-term rentals mostly in and around Tokyo for the last 10 years. And she is the Minpaku Queen of Japan, but she's also the Minpaku Queen um, of anywhere. She can help you um, fine-tune your short-term stays to a full pleasure and profitability. Was that about right? Got it right. I'll hire you. I'll hire you as my marketing guru. And uh, we got Matt Akiandinaka, one half of my uh, Akiandinaka, and he can help you um, investigate, explore, purchase, and uh, potentially renovate. I hear um, any any kind of uh, abandoned, semi-abandoned, vacant, rural um, dream property that you uh, are dreaming about anywhere in Japan. Is that about right, Matt? That's about right. Yep. Thank you very much. And uh, we've got uh, myself who uh, handles, uh, I'm one half of Nippon Trades International and we handle investment properties and um, I want to say normal holiday homes anywhere in Japan. Um, and we do that on behalf of buyers, whether they are residing in Japan or out of Japan remotely or in person, uh, we're trying to facilitate any kind of purchase and management and sale if and when required for people purchasing property in Japan. But today we've got Anton and you're gonna be the only one introducing yourself, Anton, go for it. Hello Ziv and thank you Tracy for the introduction. My name is Anton and I've been living in Japan for three and a half years uh, in Tokyo. Uh, I've been on and off here for the past five years but three and a half years ago I moved here. Uh, I own properties in central Tokyo and I buy old ones and I renovate them myself. 
And I think that's why I was introduced today by Tracy. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, thank you. No, I, I've been watching your YouTube. You can sort of, you know, tell us about your YouTube channel and your like little journey. You know, you've got this massive following compared to, you know, c- compared to, to, to ours. So that's a, that was an interesting um, journey for me to see how the professional influencers do it. <laughs> so. No, I've, uh, so my main job is modeling and I've been, um, I've been doing DIY and renovations since I was a kid, basically. Like I'm born and raised in Sweden. I have two younger sisters and my dad, he's done this since he was a kid. I think it's in our culture. So they bought a house that was 120 years old and my dad and his friends, they rent, uh, they renovated it my entire grown up and by uh, all the excess material me and my sisters we built small houses and uh, yeah i just know how to deal with the tools and stuff and by coming to japan it's just a different way of uh, how they treat housing and houses here and i was very surprised that they tear houses down that are only like 30 40 50 years old where where else in my culture we would just renovate them and you'll get them exactly as you want it you would tear that wall down you would build a toilet over there a kitchen over there and it's not hard to do. You just buy an Ikea kitchen and uh, you put it all together. Like anyone can do it. Me and my sisters have done it when we were like 17 back home with no knowledge, no education. Um, here they do have uh, earthquakes and um, like natural disasters. So that's something you've got to be very careful about. Uh, but... <laughs> So I started my YouTube journey last year here, uh, renovating a house. I actually had a lot of footage and I just put the footage in all together and I started editing. I had no knowledge in editing, no nothing. And I realized that it was a huge demand. People don't really renovate here on their own. And um, it just, uh, yeah, I had- That's an Akia you got, right? Yeah, it was two Akias actually so i live in one akia that i purchased two years ago and Uh then i got another one three months ago and since (laughs) i got that one i've i've been able to like push out videos and i've grown from ten thousand to ninety four thousand subscribers in three months Wow. Anton, your channel is, um, yeah, as far as I can tell, is 100% Japanese, which means your followers are 100% Japanese, or mostly Japanese too, right? Yeah, like 90, 98% Japanese. I think the rest 2% is probably my friends back home or in America. <laughs> or They don't understand what I'm talking about, but they're like... But so, so it's amazing to me because we, we talked about it a few times and Matt, Matt is actually very passionate about that. I'm sure he'll chime in in a minute, but we talked a few times about how it's not really, and you mentioned it too, it's not that common here for people to get into DIY themselves. Yeah. Um, but your follower accounts uh, uh, suggest otherwise. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, possibly that or either like a lack of uh, people having the courage to just pursue DIY. I mean, like Matt, Akia and Inaka, I don't really know much about you, but like buying an Akia, buying something in the Inaka, like the cheapest way of uh, starting to live there is to DIY it, I guess, you know, you just. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it kind of depends on what your budget is, Uh, because do you mind if I ask how much you were spending on the two places you picked up Uh, and actually where, generally speaking? Renovation wise or Per, per just price and then also general area so my like where are you located i'm in setagaya central tokyo like um ikijiri ohashi oh, okay so these are Gaya. these are tokyo okay gotcha yeah. right 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 so i think okay. the land i mean like akia you can you can get things really cheap the further away from the big cities you go i guess right mm. and mm-hmm. yeah just... generally it is the case and then, like a kitchen, I built kitchens here. And then pick it up. I would also. Yeah, sorry, I think we were lagging there. Yeah, yeah. no, that's all right. Yeah, how much? Uh, so there's that. Um, I would say to going back to your uh, follower count. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just out in Minakami, <clears throat> at a wonderful place called uh, Mominoki. Um, mm-hmm. which was like the fifth episode, I think, of on our YouTube channel, the Akia Hunter thing. Um, and so anyway, very similar to you and 
I suspect on top of your suspicions about why your, your subscriber rate has skyrocketed is that when uh, this couple first bought um, their Akia out there, I mean, it wasn't, you know, super dilapidated, but it certainly wasn't in particularly good condition and definitely needed some work. Um, and everybody in the local neighborhood was, none of them were mean or anything, but they were kind of just rolling their eyes at the at this couple just being like, oh, <laughs> yeah, good luck. You don't know what you got yourself into, idiots. Um, and they opened this year, so they renovated, they bought a pension. Um, so like, like a lodge, I guess, um, and opened for business in, I believe it was February of this year, did a spectacular job with the renovation, all DIY too. Um, and now that number one, they have sort of completed their, um, let's call it phase one renovations. They've become more part of the local community and they've also gotten off to a galloping start with business. Everybody around them, especially the Japanese um, community, is kind of like, oh, my gosh, we were totally wrong. Like, we've watched you this whole time. And you, you crazy sons of bitches, you actually did it. Um, kind of thing. And so I feel like the, um, the interest in Akia in general, be it in Tokyo, be it in Minakami, be it wherever, we've had basically since the start of the pandemic, pretty sustained be it on TV shows, be it via what we're doing, be it via what you're doing, be it, I mean, there's, there's been a, there's articles relatively frequently. We've had over two years of pretty much sustained coverage and dynamic coverage of, of Akia, such that now we're starting to get to the point where, you know, your kind of typical Japanese audience is, oh my God, you crazy sons of bitches, you actually did it. Like, this is worth paying attention to now. Um, is kind of my read on the situation, which is a good thing, I would say. Um, yeah, I'll stop there because I feel like I'm about to just start ranting. On no, 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 but subject. I want to I hear about the, uh, the <laughs> you started asking Anton about the purchase price and the renovation price. I'm curious about that. So what, what, what did you, if you don't mind telling us, Anton, what did you actually put into the places? So uh, the house I got two years ago, I owned the land to this one. And that was about, so this was right one week before the state of emergency in Tokyo. And they had an asking price for about 31 or 32 million yen. But I got it down to 2.4 or something like that. So I got a 30 something percent discount. They tried to sell it for a... Wait, you went from 30, 32 million yen to 2.4? No, no, to 24 million. To 24 million, yeah. 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 4 million yen? Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's, so yeah, that's yeah that's almost <laughs> almost thirty percent discount. Yeah, and then I put her in about two and a half million yen in renovations, and I got it livable. I was really broke at the time, and uh, not a lot of work, pandemic, like. But I could be a full time DIY carpenter for three months, and that was that was great. So when well, and so like a lot of it that I find is honestly, it's just like why the hell didn't you clean this better? If you just put a bunch of work into getting things polished or stripped down, I mean, I was doing this over the weekend at Anakia in Yugawara, um, and literally it's just, oh my God, if you just stopped hoarding, this would be perfectly livable. Apparently, like, I never, a lot of the I time it's not the even... I never met the previous owners, but apparently they spent one and a half million yen on just trash disposal of this house. They've, they've been living here for about 50 years, apparently. Oh, no. Hold on, oh, yeah. One and a half million yeah. yen. And so I they're could, just keep, they were just. I could renovate the entire yeah. house. To right. And that's actually a negotiation tactic, too. Yeah, right. Right. And so that's because normally it's. Yeah, it's somewhere around like call it seven, like 50 to 70 mon minimum for trash disposal because you have to rent, you know, the uh, the big steel container and trash container thing. Got to get a crew in there. They throw it all in there. Then you got to ship it and all the bad stuff. So, yeah, just because they've been hoarding, right? It's not even a structural issue. It's just, oh my God, you're filthy. Um, and to be honest, like, actually, let me stick on this for a second, because this is actually a very taboo subject. 
Um, not a lot of people, especially in Japan, like hearing about hoarding or like just like it just don't touch it. It's just a taboo subject. Just pretend it doesn't exist. I want more people talking about it. I want more pictures. This is a major problem why Akia don't sell. And this is also the Akia that, that tend to be structurally sound. And if you just put, you know, a month's worth of cleaning and, you know, kind of getting it in order, it would be perfectly fine. But because there is so much hoarding in Japan that nobody, you know, is comfortable touching or talking about, this problem persists. This is a major part of the Akia problem that, that we've been talking about for the last two or three years at least, right? So yeah, very interesting to hear your experience. Matt, you're terribly lagged, mate. Every time you start talking, I think you're, um, you're only getting us like a, a good 30 seconds later. So <laughs> you keep cutting into us. Oh, really? Great. <laughs> Sorry. Let me go yell at... I will try to yell, not yell, but speak very strongly with a few people. No, but what, what, you, meantime, what you're talking about, will... Matt, is something like I got my first property here about three years ago. And what you're talking about, like trash disposal and the taboo of hoarding and talking about it openly, it creates a lot of like in my new house here, I got it as is with like tons of stuff. Like it was just full of stuff. Like they left everything basically. stuff that you can use sometimes sometimes i like uh, there's a lot of beautiful stuff that i'm gonna use but like 95 is just mm -hmm. trash but i had yeah four, yeah yeah like five, plastic bottles uh just like 90 square meters of just like stuff you know and where to even start you know so i had a lot of companies coming to check the place out and like the mitsumori like the what do you call it in English now again? Quote, a quote. The quotes I got there. Like, they. So in the end, I went for someone. They charged me Nijuman, so 200,000 yen to dispose everything. And yep. they were nice. They were really professional. They sorted everything. And I thought it was a deal because all the other quotes came in from between 1 million and 1.5 and million yen. Well, and that's the other thing. It's a racket, especially in the city be it rental prices even in Tracy, I'm sure you know about let it, leasing, subleasing, sub-subleasing. I also just jumped onto a different network. And so hopefully you're hearing me correctly. Yeah, you're better now. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, within the city, it's a racket, right? They can mm -hmm. charge out the ass just because they can, right? And no one else wants to touch it. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, just what about this? So, for example, for me over the weekend, guess what I did? I myself put on a work suit and some gloves and dug through trash. I sorted it. I put it into the proper disposal. I rented a K truck and I moved it all out. Right. Oh. And I, right. We're living, and I we're living the dream, man. I mean, we, I, you know, I think. We're all in the, we, you know, in our businesses, we all like, you know, get dirty and, you know, uh, you know, sort the trash. We do that. We do this in our business as well. And it's like, it's quite healthy for you to, to work with your hands. Like, it's not just, you know, being, <laughs> being an investor. As, as long as it's not as good. get dirty. Yeah. yeah. Well, in a, in a funny sense, you're almost describing it as like a, a like a pro wellness sort of activity. <laughs> but Anton, when you say you put in two and a half million for innovation, so what did that include? So DIY, I'm guessing most of it would have done by yourself. So that was mostly materials or what was that? What, what that, did it actually break down into? That was mostly materials. Also, I built a rental unit within the house. Okay. So I built an extra kitchen, an extra shower booth, an extra, like I got a nice Toto washlet from Yahoo Auction, like Semendai tiles. I got also what Matt talked about like when the with the neighbors of the people getting the pension in um, Minami Kogen? No, in Minakami in Gunma. So like people, when once I started this project, like I had the people in the local, at the local, not the home center, but the lumber shop, they were extremely helpful and they've been helping me so much. They come here and they're like, you should do this, you should do that. To like, like they didn't even, they didn't even want money, you know? Yeah, and that's that's my experience too. Is that especially with the lumber shops, mm -hmm. is that you know, their their business is running the lumber shop, 
and whatever clients they get through with that, right? And so they're often enough, like they're very passionate about what they do, but it's not their job to go out and find somebody and be like, hey, there's this house over there, you should buy it and then come to us for the lumber materials in order to fix it up, right? And so they're just sitting there waiting for some, and they see the opportunity, but it's not like, it's not their opportunity, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so often enough, especially in more rural reaches, like when somebody, when some crazy person comes in, it's like, you know what? I think I can do this. And you go to the local shops, they're like, holy shit, we found you. Like, yeah, let's help this person out as much as we can. This is going to be great. And they get really excited, you know. No, no, like like without them, I could never done this. Like they call me up, like we have this wood here, you want it? We have this sink here, we have this toilet here, we have these tools here. Do you they by chance ever go out and like get beers with them now? Yeah, I do, I do. And See, one, yeah, that uh, happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> No, and even now, like I'm, I started working with uh, carpenters to like earthquake strong in my new house, and they introduced me to this 90 year old Japanese guy. He came with his wife, and he was supposed to do a four day job, and it took him three weeks, and he didn't move at all. Mm. And it was like they introduced me to this guy, but in the end, they called him up and like, no, you're fired. We're introducing someone new. So they handle like they did a mistake by introducing me to this old carpenter, and then they fixed the mistake as well. Right, right, which is amazing because yeah. often enough, if it's if it's a mistake, it's like okay, well, you have a mistake now, and you just have to live with it. Um, and so having those people kind of having your back, yeah, were um, is also super duper helpful. Because I mean, these renovations, you know, as it sounds, you know, I mean, you're doing most 80, 90 percent of it or whatnot. But I mean, unless it's a mountaintop permit, you know, oh, cabin or whatever, like it is sort of a community effort. And so people do like getting involved in it for, you know, a number of reasons, but um, yeah, so it sounds like you're having a very good experience. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. So the uh, first house, 24 million plus two and a half in renovation, and now it's perfectly livable. Is there anything else that you still want to do to it or? Oh, there is a lot. This this house is never going to be done exactly like my childhood home back home in Sweden. Okay. You know? <laughs> it's perfectly livable. Everything works fine. Uh, like I have a lot to learn. Uh, with DIY and stuff still like of course electricity and gas and stuff I can't do uh, but like the more time I realize the more time you have the better something gets right I was and then what what led you to go for the second house so this one you're living in what was the idea with the second one so the second one I knew this has been an Akia for like 10-11 years and uh, I met the owner by chance and he asked me how I got my house. And he asked me to introduce my friend, one of my friends who is a real estate agent. Uh, and I did. And then next time I bumped into him like a month later and he asked me if I wanted to buy the house. Um, and we talked for, this was like right when I got this house. So same was, area, Sedagaya as well? Yeah, same area. Okay. Uh, and it took 15 months and then we agreed on a price. <laughs> and uh, then I just had to get the money somewhere and like it took 15 months so in that time I could accumulate some money and I was able to purchase the house luckily you know I, I went inside for like about a minute and because because it was full of stuff and they didn't really want to show me inside what Matt said about the taboo about the so they were really like embarrassed about the yep house itself so they didn't really want to show me so i walked around for about a minute checked for like termites checked for water leaks like crucial stuff and it didn't look like it had any big defaults like i was gonna diy and renovate it on my own anyway so as long as it's structurally sound i don't, didn't think it was gonna be any problem but and what led you what led you to the decision to buy another house like if you're not gonna live in it why did you buy it income because that's somebody. a good question that's a good question <laughs> no i think it was a good uh, like i'm very bored <laughs> i really like to do new stuff all the time and learn and like just yeah i thought i saw it i saw it as a challenge i didn't really know what i was going to do with it but now i have a clear idea i'm going to turn it into like a shooting studio you can have cooking classes nice. you can have mimpaku like the location is so good so 
like and it's and it's that that property if i understand correctly that's that couldn't be rebuilt that's why it was in that's yeah. why in akia right so exactly. and did you were you able to negotiate a good deal on that one yeah so the first price they said i got it half the price of what they were asking for like they the owners they were like we want to sell it to you we saw what you did with the other house we want to sell it to you how much money right. they got. and that was kind of the discussion yeah and that we interrupt this broadcast, I always wanted to say this, we interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S at tokyorealty.jp. Yeah, and that that'll kind of what you've already done kind of establishes you and the local community as like the crazy guy who can pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so mm -hmm. then it becomes much easier. Um, but this, I mean, we have anecdotes for onboarding clients as well of like, yeah, if you do if you do it once, it's like potato chips. You can't have just one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you yeah know. But we're pretty transparent on this. Um, you know, we're pretty transparent on this. Uh, you know. On, on these panels um so but you know did you did you need to get finance and if you don't want to answer that question just just tell me to shut up that's okay but um you know we you know the people who watch you know want to try and you know, not to spy into your life but they're curious to see if this is a if this is a good option for them as well so did you need to get finance or or were you able to you know just raise the funds yourself so uh, I'm here on a modeling visa. I'm an entertainer here, which means right. I cannot apply for a normal jutaku loan. Right. And what's good with these objects that are like non, like saikenchiku fukano, like you cannot rebuild mm -hmm. them because the road outside is less than two meters. Oh, right. so no loan anyway, right? No loan anyway, which means I'm competing against like a normal Japanese citizen as well on the same terms. We can get this property to the same like to the same loan rate the problem with this one was for some reason the seller wanted cash so they didn't want me to take a loan uh, and i bought it cash in the end which was really scary i was like with all the ah, stuff yeah well and then also though there's no um oh i'm blanking on the word uh not arbitrage um the middle party holding the cash until the transaction. Oh happens. no, no, no. Escrow. escrow. Yeah, there's no, there's no escrow. <laughs> no, I had to, I had to go to the bank, like take out this much money. Yeah, in, cash. Back, in cash. Bring it in a yeah. backpack to the yeah. broker's office, and then. That's so funny. Yeah. No, I mean, I remember the first time one so of, one of, with one of our clients uh, when we were transferring. The, I mean, literally, it's. You're in the office with our brokers and our buyer's agents. They are in front of us on the phone communicating with the seller's representative. 
They say it's almost like when AOL first started, like, okay, press send now. (laughs) And then they check and they're like, okay, it went through. And of course, you've kind of had this conversation before. There are legal parties involved if you Mm -hmm. do it, you know, the correct way. And so there's probably recourse. But I mean, often enough, when that happens and the lack of escrow clients are just like bug eyed, just wait, are you, are you serious? That's <laughs> who's going to hold on to my, what, what if something goes wrong? Um, and Anton, I'm yeah. curious, how did you do? You said you were renting out one room, uh, Minpaku, mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm. guessing that's maybe what you're planning to do with the second house. How did you find that to be easy, manageable? I mean, Tracy can probably give a bit of advice about, but what's your experience been like? So I've been really lucky, like, so I used to live in another apartment that I also own in uh, not too far away from here as well. Uh, and I got the first house here. And I was so broke. So I needed to find someone to move into my other house as well. And then I like moved into the apartment that my girlfriend lived in. And she lived in like 15 square meters small. So I took all my stuff and just chucked them into her room and our relationship have worked still, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's a big, good sign, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so then I found like friends of friends, uh, also foreigners, but with steady jobs and stuff. And they moved in to my other place and they've been staying there for two and a half years. Uh, they just moved out they, with their remote work and stuff. They needed something bigger. That one was like 40 square meters. Uh, so Tracy just introduced me to a great cleaner who came and cleaned on Monday this week, just a few days ago. And I already have another guest who moved in the day after. Oh, excellent. So, so it's really easy for like, I'm, I know a lot of people who just comes and goes for like half a year. They come here, they like, it's really easy to, I don't charge any key money. I don't charge any of these stupid fees. And I always have a relationship to the, to oh, the but, you but you don't have the Minpaku licenses yet. So, I mean, that's, I don't have that's how we cross paths because we were talking about that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that was another thing too. I've explored um, a number of sort of situations that you're in, Anton, in, in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And, oh my God, you know, it's, how can you even most of the time it's just how can you even expect somebody you're charging how much for this mm. it sounds and it sounds and again you know Akio renovations don't need to be we're not talking about the ritz here uh that probably will never happen we're talking about function over form mm-hmm. you know like does it actually serve its purpose is it cleanly maybe it doesn't look like you know the parthenon or something but it never was supposed to be doesn't work are you safe and not wet and warm and all of these things? Are you mm-hmm. able to cook? Is there electricity, right? It might look weird. It might look old, but if it just works, but so many of the times, especially I've noticed in Tokyo's, um, especially on the, what, on the east side in Shamachi, it gets bad. And the owners just sit there and say, well, you know, take it or leave it. It's, I'm charging how it is. And right. it's like, fuck you guys. Just like go fucking fix it a little bit and make it into something that looks and actually not just looks, but is functional and then charge the same price or more. I don't care, but like have a little bit of pride in your product. You know, I get very emotional. About you this. Had, um, <laughs> have you had people reach out to you once the channel was set up? Have you had any of these, again, mainly Japanese viewers, have you had many of them reach out and then share their experiences, tell you something about projects that they're interested in doing, like any kind of engagement with the people who are actually interested in this in Japan? Yeah, a lot of them actually. It's um, So my channel is mostly about DIY. Like I'm, it, it's essentially like what I'm doing is real estate, right? But it's DIY is more, also real estate to a Japanese person is like a finance job to most people. Yeah. Like if I would say I would do real estate, no one would get what I was doing. People would think I'm a real estate agent and I rent apartments that other people own to other people. And that's not what I do. So people don't really talk to me about real estate. People talk to me more about like DIY. How do I do this? How do I do that? How would you do this? And then other people come with a, 
yeah, like, what can I do with this piece? What can I do with this piece of land? Would you do build something new? Would you like tear down my old Inaka house or would you build a brand new? Or I get a lot of requests like this. Also, I get from big magazines. I've had huge magazines come and like shoot in my houses as like shooting locations. I think it's mostly because Japanese apartments, they're either design apartments and you rent them for four or $5,000 a month. Mm. Or they're like the most, I would say boring, but like they're like white crossy walls with a unit, small unit kitchen, no sunlight. But my apartments, they're relatively cheap, but they have great sunlight. They're open. They're like mm. nice to live in, in my in my opinion they've, 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 they've got a soul yeah <laughs> so yeah, i mean perfect. To, um, i think that's what to it is set up some somewhere that's um like a group or a forum where people can actually have these conversations because i guess on the youtube channel it might be like there's a bit of chat going on but it's mm -hmm. mostly you broadcasting and they're maybe commenting but yeah have you maybe set up um a forum for people to be able to to exchange information and get advice and stuff like that not really like i still have to figure like it's been going so fast i still have to figure out who's watching my channel and like what i'm doing what's yeah. what's going on how this new house is gonna be uh also i have my real job as well this is just like a hobby to me mm. for now you know maybe at some point i will be able to monetize it and make it make it a real job but for now it's i'm like i just <laughs> i just need my house to be more or less livable and then i can start thinking about like details interior what kind so, of kitchen and stuff so tell me how much how much you know you say you've been renovating things from when you were a kid watching your family mm -hmm. like to the you know what is the what is the level of skill that you know the average person would need you know to uh you know to get in and get stuck in and actually make a difference because um you know what what i find here in japan is that a lot of you know a lot of um uh, building companies or renovation companies sorry blanco you're not here at the moment will say oh look we'll take care of that for you and charge a premium but if you go and just do the hard work yourself what but how much actual technical skill do you need to do what you're doing like most carpenters in sweden for example like they've never undergoing any kind of education they've just been like me not I like for one or two years or like they like whenever I don't know what I'm doing I would go to the local lumber or I would just YouTube it you take a few hours on YouTube and you'll you'll see what people are doing and a lot of material is not available in Japanese you got to look at American or European videos and then you got to source the material that they're using and that's the hardest part being here I think in my yeah, but that, that's the woodwork how about everything else like the interior you've mentioned the tiling you've mentioned mm -hmm. um, kitchens stuff like mm -hmm. that like kitchen is like the easiest thing there is you, you mm. just bump out the old one and then you yeah. go to ikea and you build like it's just cabinets it's like building, <laughs> it it's like, building like a i don't know a cupboard yeah that's yeah basically the same and then you just put it there and then it's gonna be there forever you're not gonna move a kitchen <laughs> right it's just screws and you just need very basic knowledge and a lot of uh good <laughs> measurements <laughs> really good really good measurements has but, the but house not... been has the house been square though like you know like you know often you find in an older house it sort of goes off the because then they're, they're not really built on strong foundations so you know with earthquakes and things the the building may not be square so yeah. getting your cabinets in might be a challenge right not really because like it's it's just the legs you know you just like balance it with the legs you just screw it and then you just check it with the level okay it's straight and then if it's not straight you screw a little bit more and then it's going to be straight and then you like before that of course you got to redo the walls mm. and then you just put the tiles in you have a laser or you put like threads that, that I love are... how he adds just to the beginning of it exactly. you just do this and you just do that and it's a piece of cake <laughs> a lot of confidence i would say that's key i mean and what you're just what what you're describing right now anton is one of the steps that we take before we put in an offer on with with clients is uh -huh. we get one of our inspectors in there go on yen 
they run, they see if the, the property itself is square, uh, conduct the land survey as well to see drainage and whatnot, just to make sure like, all right, it kind of looks like shit, but actually, <laughs> if you clean it up, it might be good and it won't kill you. So, No, I was really surprised. I had uh, carpenters in last week and they did the... Um... This, like they rechecked the structural integrity. I had a lot of termites, so I had to re. Ah, yeah. I had to put in three new beams, and I removed a few of them, and like put in uh, sujikais in the walls, and like just strengthened the house itself. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's kind of dangerous. So I would like I I helped them out. You know, I was there and like just watching them work on it. Like you learn a lot as well. Eating a sandwich and just kind of like <laughs> having a coffee. <laughs> yeah. And what was the decision that you were going to do a Japanese only channel? Um, was this because you wanted to, you know, like really have a good excuse to speak Japanese or uh, you were trying to appeal to a market or just it felt like the right thing? Yeah. Uh, I'm still learning like, Japanese. Uh, I talked to my girlfriend who is Korean in Japanese and because she doesn't speak any English. Uh, and in order for us for and our relationship to move forward, I think we both need to improve our Japanese. Also, we live here in Japan. I want to I want to be able to live here and uh, not being dependent on other people in order to, I don't know, buy a house or sign a contract or get a loan or like just necessities, you know. And yeah, well, why is the Japanese? channel in Japanese? Like, why didn't you do it in, in uh, I guess, maybe not in Swedish, but maybe in English? Like, why did you choose to do it in Japanese? So, first of all, my manager at the time, I have new managers now, they, they told me, no, if you're going to do it here in Japan, you should do it in Japanese. Okay. Uh, and it was really nervous. I, I mean, I'm still nervous sometimes when I talk in the videos in Japan. Like, all I do is mistakes. But, like, mistakes makes you better, right? It's the same. Like, I did this house and the next house is going to be better. And then next time you do something, it's going to get better and better, right? But that's just keeping it real, you know. It's like, that's... That's part of the charm, I think. And maybe that's, you know, one of the reasons that you've, you know, really grown this, this, uh, uh, grown the channel, um, <laughs> because you, you know, you are showing the mistakes. So also my friend, Clara, a French girl, uh, she started social media, YouTube and stuff about two years ago. So she started a year earlier than me. And I had, I went on a barbecue with her mm-hmm. about a year ago before I started the channel. And she told me, no. Her Japanese is like splendid. She's three times better than mine. But she told me to do it in Japanese as well. And that was when I kind of realized, okay, it should be in Japanese. So in some way, I trusted her more than I trusted my managers. Because she'd done it already. I think she had like 100 or 200,000 subscribers by now. But it just showed that it's working. And I don't know any other foreigners doing YouTube in Japanese. No, it's remarkable. Not many. Definitely not, not DIY. DIY. No. Yeah. So it's a it's a kind of a niche market, but it's it seems to work. It didn't <laughs> seem to work for the first six months, but now it does seem to work. So. And then what's on the uh, what's on the plan? Have you got another house you got your eyes on now? Yeah, there's another neighbor who's asked me as well, but like oh, I'm, got the bug. I'm broke again, so I think it's gonna, <laughs> it might happen if I don't get an investor. It, it's, it's not going to happen in the next it's, few years. It's, sorry, my, my uh, signal or something happened and I had logged out and logged back in. Um, going back to doing it in Japanese, uh-huh. though, um, this is a very interesting and important point uh, that, I mean, I'm sure everybody already thinks that, but the for a lot of stuff that I do, including real estate, but also in the IT sector and in music as well, um, the domestic resources for uh music wise how to use how to how to market your your band's products or like right now for blockchain stuff like there's a serious lack Mm -hmm. of any kind of educational resources in jap domestic resources for domestic potential users slash consumers to do anything with and so done you follow him yeah 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 Uh, i'm familiar um, and so what you're doing, I would, I bet one of the real big, uh, like attraction points is that, oh my God, you are a not Japanese person 
presumably with different types of experiences and maybe you cut wood differently or just like whatever, but it's accessible. It's different tool sets that are, that you're making accessible for the Japanese audience, the domestic mm -hmm. non-English speaking Japanese audience. So yeah, good on you. That is totally a thing that occurs just all the time everywhere in seemingly every industry in Japan. So you're next up, Matt. Anthony, you mentioned channel in Japanese coming. Sorry, go ahead. So Matt has a YouTube channel in Japanese up and coming, right? Uh, I've, got, I've got a few things that I'm working on right now. Our current Akia YouTube channel is English only, and we're almost at a thousand subscribers. So. I'll subscribe. <laughs> Thank so you. Anton, you, mentioned, just subscribed um, you. mentioned investor there. Um, I yeah. know Casey needs to go soon, but this is probably a good, maybe a good thing to end on. So when you talk, what, what, let, let's say you're trying, you're talking to an investor, trying to convince somebody to invest. What, what, what's the investment? What are we talking about? Is it to to sell it at a profit? Is it to turn it into a guest house? Like, what would you? What sort of investors would you be looking for? I think since most of the things I own are in kind of the same area, so it's, it's very easy to manage. You just like you can you can move around five minutes, you get to the next property. So I don't have an intention to sell. Uh, I would have an intention. I'll see how good this Mimpaku goes uh, and maybe it will be very profitable, very successful. And then you can show numbers and then the next house, like you have something concrete to show investors or someone who wants to invest in, mm. in a possible Mimpaku business, right? Certainly, I think the, uh, the space rental business is really something that is going you know, going ahead, if you can actually get a commercial kitchen license and actually, and have it usable for people wanting to shoot YouTube videos, um, mm -hmm. there's a, uh, I think the actual hourly rate that you can rent, um, you know, rent the property is higher than with Mimpaku. It's higher than the, you know, the overnight price. Um, and so I think there's a big, big potential in monetization that way. Um, so event spaces, um, shooting um, uh, TV shows, movies, uh, because all of that sort of business is just is just growing right now. Um, mm -hmm. I have a friend who runs a a, a TV, um, sorry, a film production company, and they 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 just have so much work on. Um, you know that the whole the whole world is just you know screaming for streaming content. So um, yeah, there's a lot of work coming up, and they'll be needing venues and, and fresh venues. So um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see, um, I don't know, maybe there's something that Tracy can do too, but um, definitely Anton was already used to doing it uh, streamed live um, to maybe document the Minpaku setup process, like mm -hmm. applying for the licenses, advertising. I mean, it's, it's kind of like not all of it is going to be obviously you walking around places. A lot of that will be just you describing what you're doing on the PC or, but it'll be interesting for a lot of people because we regularly get asked and we keep saying, well, you need to research this, you need to research that, you need to apply for this, you need to apply for that. It'll be interesting to actually have somebody document this process. So we already have a collaboration video, Tracy. There you yeah. go, done. Please. <laughs> yes. Mm. Well, and show awesome. the paperwork. Yeah, because it's, it is, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm. How is the time process for that? How long time does it take to get a license? How long is a piece of string? It really depends on how... Um, it, you know, it really depends on a lot of things. Um, anal, how anal the local word is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. And also how quickly you can get all the documents. So you need, you know, the, the biggest hurdle is to get the, the, safety, the safety certificate from, uh, from the fire station. So you need to get the, make sure it's got the right type of um, uh, fire, ex fire extinguishers, the fire, uh, fire alarms, and then once all that's been signed off by the safety company, then you need the certificate from the from the fire station after the inspection, and then it's fairly fast from then on. Thank you. Yeah, but it's just a, like like everything. You got to get all the all the paperwork, and it's not as if it's something you can negotiate. It's like get the list of things that you need to get from the ward office, and just deliver that. You can't just you can't. You know, in other countries, you can sort of just negotiate with the people, you know, in City Hall. You just cannot do that here. It's like 
They need that document, otherwise it does not move forward. Full stop, period, the end. Mm. God. I heard it's different <laughs> from uh, ward to ward as well. It is different from you ward to ward. You make me nervous it's now. I shouldn't have asked the question. <laughs> There's a big collaboration video. Anyway, I'm looking at the time. I have a, I have clients yep. to meet. Got to so. go. Yep. Yes. Good to see everyone. Yes. Yeah, oh, and yeah, uh, we'll, uh, we'll link to uh, Anton's YouTube channel uh, in the comment section and in the show That's notes. Right. So you can all uh, watch his amazing work uh, and perv on him a little bit, which I think yes. is... Uh, I mean, <laughs> Tracy's saying she was into Minpaku, but I think that's how she found out about your channel, to be honest. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks well, for your time. Like, you, you and your girlfriend are very photogenic, and it, I guess that doesn't hurt either. So, and your... But your personalities and the, the YouTube videos are, you know, they're full of energy, they're full of fun, and I think it's great. I think, you know, the more that... And I, I like to see people working with their hands. So good for you. I think it's great. Thank you. Go I'll you. My best. And by the time this episode is out, my, maybe the house is done. Possibly, right? Right. Oh. Wow. That's that's great. Awesome. So, so you're all welcome un to come video. and have coffee. Yeah, it'd be great to check it out. Whenever, time, whenever you have Yeah, time. awesome. All right. Oh, all right. All right. I got to go. So take Thank care. So good talking. See you next time. Bye. 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 So there you have it. If you haven't caught the Akia bug yet, I'm sure this conversation has you thinking about it uh, a bit more at least. Really good input there. Love the work Anton's doing. Do check out his YouTube channel. We'll link to it in this episode show notes. And we've also linked to it from our YouTube page as a recommended channel. Highly advise you check it out. Now, before we go, we're also as always going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com. And he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku! Yoroshiku!